Here at Harbor, we like to uh, preach through whole books of the Bible. Uh, so we're coming to the end of, uh, of our, uh, our journey through the, the letter of 1 Peter. Um, after this, we're actually going to start 2 Peter. Since we're here, we might as well knock out all of Peter's uh, letters at, at one time. Um, uh, and so uh, if you want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, that's where we'll be this morning. Um, if you're following along in one of the black Bibles there in your seats, this is on page 1016. Uh, I don't know if uh, you've ever been on uh, a large group trip to uh, an amusement park uh, before. Um, I talked to several people who it sounds like that just happened yesterday. Uh, but whether you, uh, you go with your family or a youth group, uh, a lot of times you've, uh, you've probably heard this conversation take place. This is going to be really busy. There's going to be a lot of people around. And a lot of people who probably all look very similar. Um, uh, there's, uh, it's going to be easy for us to get separated and lost from one another. So we wanna, I want to put some things in place. We're, everybody's going to have a buddy. We want to make sure that you're never left alone, that you're always walking with someone. Uh, you need to uh, recognize and know uh, this is what a security guard looks like. So if you get lost or need help, this is the person you come to talk to. And if we get separated... Uh, we're all going to meet at this point in the, uh, in the amusement park. You see the big tower there in the middle? It's going to be easy for you to, to put your eyes on or that tall uh, roller coaster over there on the side. If you get lost and separated, we're going to meet here at this, this point. Now, why do you go through the, the, the problem of doing that and having these conversations or even having everyone dress in the same shirts so that you're, you're recognizable? Well, it's because you love the people that are with you. You, you want to preserve and protect them. You want to make sure that they are, are staying with you and that everyone that came to the amusement park with you leaves with you when it's time to go home because you love them. You value them. You want them to be with you. First Peter, as we've been going through it, Peter has been communicating and writing to us about the true grace of God the love that God has for his people. Uh, and we've seen in this letter so far that God's people are, are suffering under uh, oppression and persecution. And Peter has been talking to us and showing us how committed God is to preserving his people, to keeping them in the midst of this harsh and hostile world that is opposed to God and his people that God wants his people to continue to abide with him, to rest with him in his love, in his grace, and in his mercy. Uh, because, as we'll see uh, next week uh, in, uh, in 1 Peter as well, the evil one would, wants uh, to do whatever possible to separate and isolate and take God's people away from him. And God says, I'm not going to let that. What, what are the means by which God seeks to keep his people abiding with him, close to him, that they would walk secure in the midst of this hostile world and the persecutions and struggles that we face? We're going to see here in First Peter, in this, this part of chapter 5, uh, that one of the key means that God uses to guard, to protect, to preserve and keep his people our healthy local churches. So, if you would, 
Look with me in verse, verses 1 through 5 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for how you are continuing to use your word uh, as uh, the, uh, one of the, the means that you, you preserve and protect your people. Uh, we pray that you would use your word to accomplish your purposes this morning. Uh, may you strengthen us as, uh, as individual sheep. May, may you strengthen us as your flock, uh, that we would uh, abide with you and in your love. Preserve us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. The first thing that we, we see here that Peter points us to, uh, to, to see how God is, would, would use the local churches and, and what these local churches are, are characterized by, we see that these healthy local churches are those who know who the shepherd is. Notice how Peter points that out. Look in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The, the people of God are the flock of God. They are his sheep. He, he has bought them with his blood. They are those that he has saved and brought into his family. And the other language that, that Peter uses uh, further down in verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The chief shepherd that he's talking about is Jesus, who we're awaiting his return. Who is the shepherd? Who is the leader of God's people? It is Jesus. It is important for uh, churches, if we are going to be preserved, abiding in our God, standing firm in the grace of God, that we recognize who the true shepherd is, and it is Jesus. There is no other ruler or authority over God's people ultimately. It is Jesus. There is no pope that has control over God's church. There is no uh, apostle who would declare and communicate that it's the, the way that what he says is the way that it goes. All of God's people must ultimately recognize that Jesus is the king and ruler of his church. We must all be on the same page because in the midst of the world that we are in, there are competing messages Things that, that the, the, the world and the evil one would love uh, to distract and turn our, our focus away from Christ. And in the midst of, uh, of times where we may think we want to go uh, a different way or, uh, or be in the context of churches or leaders who would uh, maybe uh, say something that is contrary to Christ as he is revealed in his word. What Peter is saying is we must look to God. We must look to Christ, the chief shepherd. 
when I was in fifth or sixth grade, I was in this youth basketball league. Uh, all of my friends, we all played in it. We were all on different teams. Uh, and so our games were at different times. And so a lot of times we'd sit uh, in the bleachers and watch our friends play in the game. And so as uh, I was playing, I was bringing the ball down the court. And all of a sudden I hear, five, four, three. And I'm like, oh, no, i got to get rid of the ball. So half court, I just launch it. I almost make it, too. And the next thing I hear is my coach going, what are you doing? And I turn around and look. There's still two minutes left on the clock. <laughs> my friends who were sitting on the front row thought that it would be funny to play a little bit of a joke. You see, in the gym, it was loud. There were competing messages going on of those who were telling me what to do. And in the, in, the, in the moment, instead of turning my eyes and looking at my coach, of looking and recognizing who the one who is in charge, who is in authority, who I should be paying attention to and listening to, who I have eyes for and ears for, instead I was distracted and led astray by competing voices in the gym. And I made the wrong decision. You see, Peter here is telling us that as God's people, we need to all be on the same page and recognize that it is Jesus who we must listen to. We must have eyes for Jesus. We must have ears for Jesus. We must be seeking Christ in his word. We must be listening and know how to recognize his voice and distinguish what Jesus says from the lies and competing uh, suggestions of the world or sometimes even our own hearts as they lead us astray. We must be able to recognize when others who may, may place themselves in a position of leadership or authority in the church say or communicate something that is different from what Christ has called us to do. All must be going back to Christ, evaluated and, uh, and measured up against what Jesus has said. Our hearts, our affection, our attention, our goals, our desires must all be pointed to Christ. Because it's in the context of healthy churches that recognize who the chief shepherd is, that God is at work preserving, protecting, keeping his people in the midst of a harsh and hostile world that has rejected him and his people. This is what the scriptures have told us has been going on since Genesis 3 from the fall. What did God say to Adam and Eve? There's enmity between you and the serpent between your children and his children the world is against god and his people and so we must have our eyes focused and recognize and know who the chief shepherd is who we must listen to and direct all of our lives to well if, if that's true if we must recognize and know who the chief shepherd is that it's important that in each local congregation each local church, we have elders, we have leaders who point us to the chief shepherd. Notice, that's what Peter says here. Look in verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. Notice even the, the way that, that Peter is communicating here. The, the message that he has given, he starts off, not placing himself in a position of, I am Peter, the ruler and leader of the church, the bishop of, of Rome, and therefore I have authority to speak and declare. No, 
From the beginning, Peter sets himself as one of many elders because his goal here is to point and show us Jesus is the chief shepherd and ruler. You see, leaders who point us to the chief shepherd are those whose message points us to the chief shepherd. Here, Peter begins by saying, uh, Jesus is the, is the leader. I am just one of many elders. I'm not in the, the chief role over anyone here. Notice as he continues to go on, as he expands on this message. Look in verse 1 as he continues. I'm a fellow elder and I'm a, a witness or a fellow witness of the sufferings of Christ. Here, Peter isn't talking about uh, first person seeing the sufferings of Jesus, although he did. What he's talking about is in the context of a, of a witness, of one who testifies and proclaims and communicates about what? The sufferings of Christ. It is important if we are going to have healthy churches where God's people are kept and preserved, that this message that these leaders speak and communicate points us to Christ, to his suffering. It is only Jesus whose suffering redeems and delivers and saves God's people. We must look to Jesus who took on flesh, who suffered and died on behalf of God's people. You want to be delivered? You want to find hope in this world? Do you want to know who to look to in the midst of the sufferings and struggles you face? Don't look to me. Look to your suffering Christ who suffered and died. But notice, that's not the end of the message as Peter continues to go on. As well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Jesus suffered and then he was raised, experiencing glory that comes from the Father. And we await Christ's return. And the only hope we have is in the suffered, suffering Jesus who suffered, who died, who rose, and who is returning. The hope we have for restoration, for healing, for everything to be made right is Christ. The leaders of healthy churches where God's people are preserved must, through their message, and what they speak and say always be about directing people to Jesus. Jesus who died. Jesus who rose. Jesus who rules and reigns. And Jesus who is coming again. And if you are those who are hoping in his life and his death and resurrection on your behalf, then you too can have confidence that you will share in the glory and restoration that he brings. That is our only hope. Notice it's not just the message, but it's the manner. The manner of life that these leaders live that should point us to the chief shepherd. Look in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. That, that, that language that, uh, that Peter uses here, shepherd the flock of God, exercising oversight. By using that terminology, he is pointing us directly back to what he has said about Jesus earlier in the book. Remember when we saw that at the end of chapter 2? Turn over there and look at the bottom of, uh, at the end of chapter 2 in verse 25. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your, your souls. The shepherd and overseer or protector of your souls. What Peter is saying here is that what the, the elders, the leaders of local churches are to, to how the manner of their leadership and the manner of their, their shepherding care should be uh, done in a way that reflects Jesus, the chief shepherd. How do we see Jesus shepherd and care for his people? How do we see Jesus protect 
and lead and guard and care for his people. That is what should be exhibited in the character and in the life of the men who rule and shepherd and care for God's people, always pointing God's people to Jesus. Even as he, he continues on down in, uh, in verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. How did Jesus, the chief shepherd, shepherd and care for his people? Did he come dominating them? Did he come uh, with a, a hard and heavy fist? No, he came serving. He came giving of himself. He came sacrificing and dying in order that his people might flourish and thrive. This is the kind of leaders that Christ is calling and would have lead and shepherd over his church because it's in the context of, of leadership like this that Jesus has put in place for us to stand firm in the grace of God as we're being pointed through Christ, both through message and manner of the shepherding work of God's people, that we would be preserved and stand firm in the true grace of God. I was watching these videos this week on, uh, on shepherds. And, and it's interesting, really cool to watch how shepherds use dogs to shepherd uh, their flocks. And there's two different types of uh, dogs that many times are, are uh, kind of categories of dogs that we use. One are, are these shepherding dogs, one of which is a, a border collie. And it's cool to see, there's this one video of this expansive uh, field that these sheep are, are grazing in, all up and down this rocky, craggy uh, mountain. And the, the, the chief shepherd comes out and he sends his shepherding dogs out there and he does these little whistles and they go around and they round up the sheep. And they keep them from running away and they bring them back down so that they can come to a place that's safe for the night. Or they can move them from, uh, from a, a field that's been, been grazed over to one to where they can find better food and pasture. Or where they can come in and get water. Uh, the other type of, uh, of animal that's used are, uh, are, are these uh, protectors. These overseer type uh, dogs. The Great Pyrenees. They don't shepherd like these uh, border collies do. They live in the midst of the flock. They like to be out among them, interacting with them. They sleep with them. They live with them. And then they roam the perimeter at night when it's time for danger or predators to come, making sure that they alert not just the flock but the chief shepherd so that they know when a, uh, a predator has come that's seeking to devour or hurt the flock. They recognize it. They're, they're aware of it. And if need be, they put themselves between the flock and the threat because their desire is to see the, the flock live. That's how we see Jesus live. That is how we've seen him shepherd. And it's, it's both border collies and uh, great Pyrenees qualities that God wants in his elders, in his shepherds, in his leaders that are looking to guard and protect and feed well and lead and guide and direct the, the flock the way that the chief shepherd wants them to go, that is on the lookout for lies and deceit when the sheep may begin to stray or, or uh, theology or thinking or teaching or way of life might seek to infiltrate itself in the church. Because Peter's going to tell us in the next few verses next week that Satan is still prowling around like a lion seeking to devour. We need those who are looking and hoping in Christ and pointing his sheep to the chief shepherd. 
And also we see Peter here directing and saying that these leaders must have motives that point to Jesus. Look in verse 2. They're not to be under compulsion, but willingly serving the flock as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. The motive isn't to make a name for yourself. The motive isn't you're just doing this because you feel like you have to and it's a burden to care for these sheep. But it's one that you do willingly, just as Jesus willingly suffered and cared for his people. One who isn't seeking just to to make money or fame or a name for himself, which is really, it's kind of ironic that growing more and more in the context of American Christianity is the rise of the celebrity pastor. But if the the church is going to thrive, if God's people are going to be protected and defended uh, and stand firm in the grace of God and abide in him, we must have leaders like this. You know why we are worshiping here in this building now. Because Calvary Baptist Church that was here is no longer in existence. As a church, it died because the former pastor was caught embezzling seeking shameful gain, a name for himself and not the glory of Christ and the protection of his sheep. And that church no longer has a witness in this community and many people's faith was shipwrecked because of how the gospel was marred through that leadership. Do we want to stand firm in the grace of God? Do we want to seek to always have a a, a light shining for Christ in Elizabeth City, then it's important that as you prayerfully consider who to nominate and who later, after the elders are trained and uh, evaluated by our, uh, our uh, presbytery, who you would elect to have as shepherds over this congregation that will make sure that we all are constantly and consistently being pointed to Christ. So we've seen here, we need to have healthy churches that know who the chief shepherd is, who have leaders that point us to the chief shepherd. And then lastly, healthy churches are those that have sheep that follow the shepherds. Look in verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Uh, So here in this context, um, Peter's been using this language of elders. Uh, Elders is not so much talking about age, uh, but... Um, uh, this this office of, of shepherding and oversight in the context of the church. So here, as he's beginning to talk now about those who are younger, the contrast that he's using and even the language that he's using is talking about elders who in there are in the position of oversight and shepherding care and then those who aren't. He's not talking about young people in general need to all be subject to those who are older in general. He's talking about those who aren't elders particularly being subject to those who are elders. And notice what God is communicating to his people. He is saying, I want you to be subject to the elders that I've placed over you in the context of your churches. Notice how that language comes out in verse 3. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example, but being examples to the flock. That in your charge, the language that Peter's using there is, Uh, is is talking about those who have been uh, allotted to you, been placed under your care. Where have they been? Where have they come from? God. God has placed these people in Asia Minor, in these particular areas and in these particular churches and under these particular elders and rulers. 
And God is saying, I have placed you there, and I have placed them there, and I want you to submit to those that I've put over you for your care, for your protection, for your provision. Think about here in the context of our church. Why are we here? Because God has called us to be here. And as we're seeking to discern who it is that the Holy Spirit has placed as elders over the context of our church, as we nominate and then later when we vote as a congregation, we're, uh, we're also uh, communicating that these are guys that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is gifted and called to be leaders over this church, but we also are affirming that we will be subject to and submit to their sacrificial servant leadership that points us to Jesus because that is God's intention for his people. The means by which we are preserved and protected and abide in Christ, stand firm in the true grace of God in the midst of a hostile world is by being faithful members of local churches. You see, we can't do this alone and isolated. Throughout the context of Scripture, you cannot find an isolated individual Christian hanging out by themselves. We are always saved and redeemed in the community. We can't follow this instruction. Peter is assuming and takes it as a given that God's people are in the context of local churches under godly leadership. Do you want to jeopardize your spiritual health? Do you want to place yourself in danger of uh, the threats and the lies of the world, the assaults of the evil one? A good way to do it would be to disregard Peter's instructions here and either put leaders over you who do not point to Jesus and who aren't resting and hoping in him, and the other way to do it is to isolate yourself and remove yourself from the context of uh, membership in the context of a local church that is pointing you to Christ. The means by which the gospel will go forth to the nations and to Elizabeth City, the means by which God's people will be preserved so that we are able to proclaim and communicate that message is healthy local churches. Those who know who the chief shepherd is. Those who have leaders that point the flock to the chief shepherd and those who have sheep that are following the shepherds that God has placed over them. This, Peter would tell us, is the grace of God, that he would be good and care for us in this way, to provide us a context of community and protection. Why? Because he loves us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you uh, that your word is true. We thank you that you are uh, the good shepherd who gave your life for your sheep. We pray uh, that you would be uh, gracious and kind to us as a church. We ask that you would lead us over these next few months um, as we seek to identify men as they're described in this passage. Um, for our sake, yes, but ultimately for yours that the glory of the gospel would go forth through Harbor Presbyterian Church and through every single one of its members. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.